The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, today our show is about protecting privacy within businesses. And we have a lot of businesses that are driving by that really need to hear this, as well as the business school at the University of California, Irvine, where we're sitting. But I'm so pleased to have back one of my very favorite guests, a wonderful privacy expert and a security expert and and a great friend who we call the Privacy Professor. We're going to be talking again with Rebecca Harold, the Privacy Professor, She is a leading information security, privacy, compliance, and training expert with over two decades of experience, and she is currently listed among Computer World's top three best privacy advisors in the world, a top influencer in IT security by IT Security Magazine, and just dozens of other awards and recognitions. And the proprietary security training exercise that Rebecca has created has won a CSI Information Security Program of the Year. And she also has been adjunct professor for Norwich University Master of Science and Information Assurance Program since 2005. And she has led the federal government's NIST Smart Grid Privacy Research Group since 2009. There is so much more about her that I could talk about, but basically I should just mention that she's the author of Managing an Information Security and Privacy Awareness and Training Program, and she also is currently working on her 16th book, the second edition of the highly rated Practical Guide to HIPAA Privacy and Security Compliance. And as you may know, if you've listened to this show before, we've talked about medical privacy and the HIPAA privacy laws, the federal laws. So I could tell you a lot more, but if you go to privacyguidance.com, you can learn a lot more about Rebecca and the great work she does. Also, if you go to KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. You'll see a picture of this beautiful woman. You'll also see the JPEGs of her books and you'll be linked to the URL. So please do that. And thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining us. I know it's uh, you're always such a busy lady, but we're thrilled to have you on. Well, thank you so much. And I always enjoy talking with you, Mari. So I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you again today. Right. Well, I understand that you recently 
did a, an interesting keynote called Meeting Privacy Challenges at the Speed of Technology and Business. You did that in Detroit. So I thought maybe we could talk about some of those great issues that you talked about them. And, you know, a lot of times we've talked about business privacy on our show or personal privacy. And today we're actually doing the cross section about both of them and how it relates. So let's talk about how do business leaders view privacy in terms of how they conduct their business. What have you found? Well, it's really interesting because I've spoken with a really wide range of folks from different sizes of businesses and in different industries. But generally, more business leaders that I've spoken to, really when they think of privacy, they often think only about what the data protection laws require. And oftentimes when I'm in meetings with the lawyers who are representing really large organizations such as in the industry, uh, energy industry, or in the financial industry and other really highly regulated industries, most of them, when we get into talking about protecting privacy, they point to the regulations that apply to them, and then they say, well, this is the definition of privacy as it applies to our organization. Uh, so, for example, you know, I've been leading the smart grid group for Nest uh, for the past couple of years, and when I've spoken to some utilities lawyers, uh, many of them are quite adamant about how privacy really is only about the data on the customer's billing account, because that's all that's currently covered by regulations throughout much of the country. Now, of course, in, in California, that's changing, but, you know, they really need to start thinking about, and not just them, but all organizations need to start thinking about privacy as more than just what existing data protection laws cover because as technology advances and new uses of data is emerging, that really creates new types of privacy concerns and laws and regulations always lag far behind you know, those innovations and the new technology. So, so businesses really need to, to start thinking more broadly about privacy than just what is specifically defined by the laws. Yeah, and I think your example of energy, like the electric company, all they ever used to collect in the past was how much wattage we used and, and they would have our information to send us bills and maybe our credit card number or our checking account number if, if we did automatic payments. That's really all they used to have. And now with the smart grid, there's going to be a lot more that they're going to find out about how much you know electricity we use at what time of the day when we're there, when we're not there, uh, you know, whether our our refrigerator is talking to them. You know, it's just, it's the technology is like you've talked about. It's just lightning speed. And then they're going to have all this information. If they haven't thought about it, obviously they haven't protected it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, with the smart meters, you know, before it was just the, the little meter with the spinning wheel on your house. So, of course, you had to be at the house to see it. Uh, now you can get the, the meter reading from those smart meters in a variety of, of ways in some locations. But um, certainly it brings innovations, and I think that's something, too, oftentimes when we talk about privacy issues and privacy concerns, all of a sudden 
some of those folks that want to do the innovations kind of shut down and say, oh, don't bring that up. You're trying to shut down innovation. And I guess I want to make clear that, you know, I think it's important to understand that we, we most privacy folks do see that there are advantages with new technologies, and we do want to see innovations. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we're addressing these new emerging privacy issues up front. We don't want to wait until after a lot of bad things happen before we start thinking about it. So, you know, that's what we're encouraging people to do, to to think about these things and then put proper controls into place before bad things happen. We don't want to shut it down. We just want to make sure that it's addressed appropriately and uh, making sure that privacy is in the minds of the innovators as as they move along with these types of new technologies. Right. And, you know, I know you know who Ann Kavukian is, and she's mm-hmm. been on our show, and we talked at length about privacy by design. So when you're designing a new service or a new product, that, at it, like you said, keep it at the forefront. So while you are planning these things, you build it in. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if, if, if I get a new refrigerator and my refrigerator wants to tell me when I need milk or if it wants to tell me, you know, something that the, the the heat needs to be higher or whatever it is, you know, that's okay for me to know, but do I really want to share that with someone else if they know what I'm buying, you know? Right. And, and so that gets, I mean, it's great. It's a great idea. Then I don't have to, t- you know, call my husband when I'm at the grocery store and say, honey, what's in the refrigerator? What do we need to buy? I mean, if I had a printout, oh, well, you're low on milk, you're low on on tomatoes or whatever. I mean, that might be neat. But I don't think I want everybody else, like my insurance, my health insurance carrier, to know what I buy and tell me, that oh you're you're eating you're not eating enough vegetables or you're or you're eating too much sweets or whatever it is and we're going to raise your insurance rate so that's that you know that sounds crazy but you never know that kind of stuff could happen but you know I wanted to have you just tell my audience what is NIST oh sure it's the National Institute of Standards and Technology and it's a uh, part of the government the government provides this as a service. Um, they help to establish, like it says, the standards for a very wide range of things, um, for encryption, for um, other types of, of electronics. And so they do all this research to help to provide information to not only government agencies, but also all types of public and private organizations to help them to know what is a good safe type of technology to use. Um, so it, it's really great. If folks want to go out to NIST, which is NIST.gov, uh-huh. they can see, oh, all the tons of stuff that they're doing out there. And that really is good because then when our legislators who don't know a lot about some of this stuff, when they're trying to maybe um, institute legislation that would help you know, to to help these standards mm-hmm. to be implemented, then they can go to the that research and they have wonderful people who are experts like you that have advised through these through these reports, right? Oh, certainly. And even um, folks who are responsible for security or privacy or safety, even um, it, within organizations, I often point the folks who are chief information security officers and chief privacy officers to the NIST site because there's just really hundreds of 
articles out there, research articles that they can take and use. And, you know, it's, it's provided by our government, by our, our tax money, and so they might as well use that valuable information that's freely available out there. Right. And it's wonderful that you provide that volunteer service. So let's get back to what businesses think and their perspective. What, what, from a business perspective, then, what do they think is personal information? Well, you know, that's a great question. It kind of goes back to, um, you know, you're saying how you don't really want your insurance company to know what's in your refrigerator. Well, right now, most um, organizations, insurance companies, and, and other types, when they think of personal information, they typically think about, well, what's specifically named within those data protection regulations and laws. And so oftentimes that is your credit card number, your social security number, and so on. But what I want business leaders to really think about is that personal information now as we have new technologies um, and we have new activities that we're participating in online and in social media sites, now we have information that can point to specific individuals or specific homes that um, we haven't defined explicitly as being personal information, but yet if we can connect that information to a specific person or group of people, then it truly does uh, represent a type of new personal information. So, uh, for instance, we talked about the smart grid. Um, You know, if you look at a home and its energy usage, we'll call it fingerprint, uh, you can start to tell over time through the energy usage uh, for a particular location that it, it starts to have a common type of of usage, and so it becomes uh, easy to say, "Oh, well, look at this energy usage print, and let's compare that to a different house down the road." And you can see some very distinct differences, and you can start to see, "Oh, well, we know then that this particular print, energy print applies to this location, and we can tell that this other one applies to that specific location." So. We have that type of new information. Um, we have GPS, global, uh, the global positioning uh, types of information that starts pointing to specific information. We have social media information that people are putting out online that's becoming a new type of, of personal information because people are starting to identify themselves um, by their own monikers, by uh, their own types of you know, qualities that they're putting out there, about their likes that they have, that really does point to specific individuals. So we have that. We have new identifiers uh, that are coming up through the government. So, um, you know, it's something that is really new types of personal information and businesses need to to keep in mind that if they start taking this information that they think they're freely finding out there in the public, but that can point to specific individuals, that um, it really does have privacy implications. And it may indeed be considered a new type of personal information. And I guess one example I like to give, like at the conference you talked about, 
you know, have you you've heard of Foursquare before? Um, where it automatically will post out on Twitter or Facebook when um, you visit a certain location. Mm. Um, well, you know, if you are someone who has visited a, a specific place, let's say a bar, more than others during a week or during a month, then you're made the mayor of that particular location. Oh, and, you know, so like I told the folks at the conference, I said, do you really want to have it posted out there for the world to see that you are mayor of Hooters or, you know, <laughs> mayor of the Playboy Club. Right. <laughs> that could come back. Now Now you have this title that's associated with you. And if you want to change employers or maybe you want to impress uh, the parents of, of a girlfriend or boyfriend and they go online and see that you're mayor of Hooters, what yeah. are they going to think, you know? <laughs> so, you know, it's it's just... So much new types of personal information out there that you need to think about uh, before you start using it and making business decisions based upon it. You know, you were just talking about social media sites, and here we are sitting on the campus of the University of California, and I would assume that most of the students, graduate as well as undergraduate and professors, and, of course, the people driving by in the community that they use social media. You know, you and I both use Facebook. Uh, you know, I know you like Salvador Dali, and I like Salvador Dali when you had put up a an interesting painting. And, you know, people start to know about us, and that kind of stuff is pretty benign. Mm-hmm. However, you were talking about some other things. If pictures go up about us that make us put us in a compromising position or someone else puts a picture up about us that makes us look kind of stupid or foolish or whatever. Right. So, uh, you know, and you're talking about how businesses are using it. I just did a program recently at the state bar annual meeting about background checks and how businesses are using back to do part of their background checks, they're using social media to decide whether they're going to, you know, accept you to a graduate school or whether they want to hire you at at a firm or at a company. Uh, Pretty scary stuff. How else are businesses using that personal information? Oh, yeah. They're, They're starting to use it in so many ways. And, you know, related to that, to making hiring decisions, um, it's something that businesses often don't remember is that other people might be creating um, a person's identity out online on Facebook or Twitter, and it might not be that person. I mean, we've seen a lot of that on Twitter and even on Facebook for celebrities, but you know, a lot of um, even in high schools now, kids are are putting up pages and and creating uh, Twitter IDs that they are representing as being one of their classmates and then they do really bad things with it. Well, if you're a business and you want to hire someone and you go out and see information that it looks like someone posted, but it really wasn't that person that posted it, that can have some impact as well. So businesses need to think and remember that just because you see it online doesn't mean that it's real. It doesn't mean that it's accurate. Um, also, I'm seeing businesses using social media sites in, in very interesting ways. Um, more and more organizations now, there's actually services, Mari, where you can buy for, 
for $50, you can buy like 500 friends or followers on Twitter. Or, you know, for $100, you can buy 1,000 of them. And mm. what they're doing is businesses are putting up different personas, um, different IDs out there, and then they're purchasing all of these followers and friends and making it look like, oh, well, we're a really popular type of business because look at all the people that are following us and saying good things about us. So, Oh, my gosh, that's pretty disingenuous. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, they're doing it as a marketing ploy, and then people see that and they think, wow, well, this must be a good business because look at all the people that have, you know, given them the thumbs up or given them likes. So I mean, you could else. even start a fraudulent business that doesn't even really exist, and have mm-hmm. and buy all these followers and these these recommendations, like you said, and it's totally false. And then people will believe it, and then maybe they'll either invest in the company or they'll buy products that don't even exist. Oh, exactly. Oh, and gosh, and you know the the comments come back when I speak with organizations that are doing things similar to this. They're like, "Well, there's no law against it." And that's something else businesses need to think. Just because there's not a law against it doesn't mean that it's ethical. It doesn't mean that it's something that they should do. And it doesn't mean that there's not going to be a law against it down the road because of all the abuse that um, certain, you know, less savory types of organizations are doing out there just because they can. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, when you were talking before about... um high school students putting up, uh, you know, Facebook or putting up Twitter or something. And like like they've done to to movie stars, they've done it to teachers here Mm -hmm. in Orange County. That is really a form of cyber identity theft. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely cyber identity theft. So anyone who's listening who thinks that it's maybe a cute thing to take and put up pictures of your friends and pretend that they have a website, like, you know, have a Facebook like if I did that to my husband who was not on Facebook, if I did that, he'd kill me. But I mean that would, but that would basically be another form of identity theft. So I don't, like that. yeah. And I think it's prosecutable as well. So if you think you know, if you know of somebody who's doing that to someone else on this campus, you better just let them know that that is going to be considered illegal, and they're going, they could be prosecuted for it. So, yeah. But it, I didn't know what you were telling me about. You know, you could just by followers. Oh my goodness. And and what a what a great way to commit fraud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean there's so many things possible and um also I want to tell you related to this something that I saw recently in uh, related to what organizations are now being recommended to do with regard to their accounts receivable. Um I get uh, we're we belong to Costco and so we they have the Costco connection and um, I can send you a link to this article. It's out there um, freely available, their monthly art, um, magazine that they send out to all right. of their um, members. Uh-huh. But I was just kind of flabbergasted from the February uh, issue this year. They had an article, and they always put different articles in there giving advice about your business um, and how to manage your budget and so on. Well, this article was called using social media to collect debt. 
And it went into detail, and oh, I got to send you this link because um, it goes into detail about saying, well, perhaps the best part of the information you get on social media sites includes things like your dates of birth and your email address and your mailing address and names of relatives and employers and where they're located, and it's all free. And besides the time that it takes you looking for it, which doesn't need to be a lot because a lot of it's out there, um, you can obtain a whole lot of information that you can then use to go out and collect the bills that people owe you based upon what you're finding out there. And they say, you know, go on to talk about how it's a lot cheaper than having to hire a skip tracer to find Mm. folks who um, have not paid their bills or who owe you money. And, you know, I've, I've been ma- meaning to um, write a rebuttal to that article. Oh, you've I, got to, yeah. Yes, but, you know, that's, that's the mentality out there. Um, businesses think that if information is found online, that they can then take it, that it's free. And, I've, you know, the term free was used a lot in this article, uh, that it's free and they can use it for basically anything they want in or within their own business. And businesses need to understand that just because information is out online doesn't mean that it's available for them to use for their marketing, for their bill collecting, or any other type of activity that they see will give their business an advantage or some other type of benefit. And in fact, I had recently read a couple things that kind of speak to that. Number one was that somebody who was a collections person started writing um, comments on on the Facebook of the person who allegedly owed them money. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Saying, "Oh, this, per- you know, hey, you owe me such and such dollar for my business." Oh goodness! I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, just yeah. yeah, just crazy. And then. And then there was some um, EEOC actions because when businesses use the information from social networking, they might see that somebody has a medical disability. Maybe they find out that somebody has, you know, diabetes or something else that they're seeing on those um, on the social networking sites. And so there, there is basically the Fair Credit Reporting Act that if you use a third-party service to look at the social networking, that it is subject to the Fair Credit Reporting Act. You have to let them know, uh-huh. and you have to give permission. But if it's just me going on, for example, and looking about somebody I'm going to hire, just looking at it, um, you know, it, there there are no laws right now about that, except if somebody claims discrimination. Well, you didn't you discriminated against me because I'm pregnant or mm-hmm. some other thing. But you have to think about that. I think this is going to create a need for new legislation to just catch up with this craziness because you 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 know we're we're losing that that privacy. Well, yeah, and you know what I hear when I when I have these conversations with business leaders. They, they come back and say, well, if the people cared about their privacy, they wouldn't have put that out there. But, you know, it's not that simple because a big problem with social media sites is that they change how you have to set your privacy settings on sometimes almost a, a monthly or even weekly um, you know, occurrence. Right. So people might think that they have their site secured, and then the site changes, and then they no longer do. 
And then also, somebody might have their settings perfectly fine and tightened down, but the people they've given their access to could take and repost anything from that friend or that Twitter buddy, and they can post it out for the world to see, and it's out of their hands then. So, right, you know, so even if you've closed it down to friends only and you have specific friends that are not the whole world, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that it is protected or private. Oh, no, and in fact, you know, with my settings, I know I have um, some things I want to be in public, but there's a lot of things that I have shut down, like uh, for comments, I only want you know, my friends to see the things I post on my wall, a lot of them, and my comments. But if I put a comment on one of my friend's walls and that friend has made all of their wall and everything else public, then basically it's likely that my comment that I put on their wall is also going to be available for the public to see. So um, your friend's settings impact what people can see as well as your own settings in that case. Well, I'll tell you, we are out of time and you are so wonderful, Rebecca Harold. I want people to go to your website, privacyguidance.com. And also I want to have you back again as soon as possible because we have always so much more to talk about. So you're terrific and have a great day. Well, thanks so much, Mari. You too. Okay. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org. I'm Mari Frank, host of Privacy Piracy. Join us every Monday at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. And write us emails about what's important to you in the information age. Look at our upcoming guests and download podcasts and listen to archived interviews. And thank you so much. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.